Hey guys, Joe here. This episode of Committed is brought to you by my brand new novel, The Sicilian Inheritance. This is honestly the best book that I've ever written. I love it so much. The Sicilian Inheritance is a twisty, turny family murder mystery set on the beautiful and sometimes dangerous island of Sicily. And it's incredibly personal. It's loosely based on the real-life murder of my great-great-grandmother, Lorenza Marsala. The Sicilian Inheritance comes out on April 2nd, but it is available for pre-order right now wherever you get your books. And if you pre-order and email me your receipt to joe.piazza at gmail.com or DM me at Instagram, I will give you a free lifetime subscription to our newsletter Over the Influence. We'll be posting exclusive pictures, videos, and show transcripts for the very new season of Committed coming out in February. So pre-order The Sicilian Inheritance today. I promise you it's going to be your new favorite book. Committed is a production of iHeartRadio. How far would you go for love? Like literally, how far would you travel? Would you cross mountains, borders, entire continents? Today's love story is about one man who bicycled thousands of miles across foreign lands just to be reunited with the woman he loved a woman he'd only been with in person for a few months. The year was 1975. Charlotte, a young Swedish tourist, had just driven 22 days along what used to be called the Hippie Trail from Sweden to New Delhi, India. She was searching for a different kind of adventure. It was dusk, the sun was setting, and Charlotte, who's called Lada by her friends, strolled into one of the city's shopping centers. Once she was there, she spied a handsome young man sketching portraits on the street for cash. And she met me and I was written on a board, 10 minutes and 10 minutes portrait and 10 rupees, you know. So when he was uh, sitting there making portraits, it was like a magnet, you know, I was just drawn there. And uh, one thought I had that my mom always said that, please, you, you, I love to uh, have uh, some sketches of me and my two sisters. And that was the opportunity. Oh, well, I'll go there and have my portrait made and send it to my mom on, on her 27th December birthday. So she came, she wanted to have the portrait done. I used to be a little gathering around me when I was doing portraits, I remember. And, but I saw the blonde and long blonde hair blue eyes and you know so i was a bit scared maybe i cannot do properly i was a little afraid actually but anyway i did the portrait and shaky hand and uh, yeah. and i was not really satisfied it was uh, so she came back next <laughs> next evening she came back and i was more afraid because i thought now she had found some mistakes in the sketch <laughs> no, she she wanted to have another one, so I did the second one. But interesting thing, I had written ten rupees. She gave me twenty rupees. Oh! So I felt sorry for this tourist, blonde tourist. I felt, oh, she can't count the money, and <laughs> it will. <laughs> See, I returned the ten rupees. I said, ten rupees, I'll take. I put in and ten rupees returned, and she said, no, no, you need it. You keep it. 
And then I said, oh, that is how they do it. And appreciate my drawing, I felt, you know. <laughs> that is how we made. A lot of people we talked to on this podcast believe their love story was destined to be. And PK is no exception. He says that in that moment, he just knew. He knew that he was going to spend the rest of his life with this beautiful blonde woman from another continent. It didn't matter that in India, he was from the lowest caste, that he was considered an untouchable. It didn't matter that he hadn't finished school yet and that he had no money. It was just destined that he would be with Lada. And then I remember that my parents had done a horoscope at that time that I missed Capricorn. If you couldn't hear him, PK said that he was shaky. He felt completely weightless and almost like this was an out-of-body experience. And, and for some reason, he thought back to when his parents had done a horoscope for him. Now, it's pretty common for Indian parents to do a horoscope for their child when they're born, and it often helps them figure out how to arrange certain things in their lives, sometimes even a marriage. But they didn't see an arranged marriage for PK. Instead, the stars foretold that PK would meet an exotic woman from a faraway land, that she would be a Sagittarius, and that she would own a jungle. She's a Taurus. So third meeting, I asked her if she was born in May, and July in Taurus. Mm -hmm. And she was very surprised. Her eyes became big, I remember. <laughs> but did she own a jungle? I said jungle, and she said, you mean forest? Yes, yes. In India, we call jungle, I said. It's a mm -hmm. fair. <laughs> and I'm a forest owner, she said. But how did you know, she asked me. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, uh, and uh, she plays a uh, uh, musician, or yes. So I said, you play some flute or something like that? My dad used to play flute. Or you... Yes, yes, but how did you know all these things? Then I could not speak properly English at that time, <laughs> but I was showing that the, my hand was moving towards the sky. I said, it is decided in the heaven, and we are destined to meet. And I'm a Capricorn, you are a Taurus, I said like that. And, I have been told from my childhood about you that I will meet in my life. And then she asked me, what is more decided in the heaven? And suddenly, I was very shy, I remember. But some other voice, I felt it was not me because I never spoke to any girl at the time in Indian 70s, you know. And only my mother and sister I used to speak. Yep, you heard that one right. P.K. had never really spoken to a woman outside his family for this long before. And once he got talking, he couldn't stop. He started to tell Lada his entire horoscope, and then he just blurted out that they were destined to be together, that it was already decided by the universe. When she asked what is decided, I said, I, I said, but it was some other voice, actually. So <laughs> you will be my wife, I said. And then she was staring at me, and I got frightened. I remember I said, now she will call to the police. I will lose my permission to do portraits for the tourists. That was my reaction. PK looked away. He was scared, terrified, actually. And when he looked back at Lada's face, she was not smiling. But she said, what did you say? She said, I, that I remember clearly. Ooh. Then I told her, the same voice came out. You will be my wife. You cannot change and I cannot change. We are destined to meet. 
is to decide in the heaven. That was, I said, shortly. And then I kept quiet. Can you imagine? He said, you will be my wife. You cannot change, and I cannot change, and we are destined to meet. It is decided in heaven. Ah! It's amazing. I'm Joe Piazza, and this is Committed. This episode is the final episode of season seven. It's crazy, right? I chose to end the season with Lada and PK's story because I just found it so damn hopeful. It's a story about love triumphing over all of the odds, over language barriers, cultural barriers, class barriers. It is about stopping at nothing to be with your person. And I love that, especially going into a brand new year. I love hearing about how PK stopped at absolutely nothing to be with Lada. But let's back up a second. We heard a little bit of it in the intro, but I wanted to know more about how Lada ended up in India in the first place. She grew up in Sweden in the early 70s, and then she went to London to work in a hospital. I met some friends there, and we decided to, to buy a Volkswagen van and uh, travel to India. And that was in October 1975. So, you know, the, the longing to go to India, but not, I can't say that I want to just go and find an find a Indian man. That was not the intention. I was quite an adventurous girl and wanted to, to be free and experience and know about other cultures, way of living. That attracted me so much. But then she saw PK sitting there and sketching his portraits. I had some very strong attraction and felt very warm and connecting feeling with PK directly. Yeah, but you, you, you saw at the, uh, one thing I remember, you mm-hmm. thought, uh, you said you mixed up with Jimi Hendrix. Yeah, yeah, uh, yes, I, you looked the style of Jimi Hendrix. But I didn't know who was Jimi Hendrix, <laughs> I didn't know in India. You said uh, you looked like yeah. Jimi Hendrix. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hold on, I'm looking I'm looking at old pictures of you. You do kind of look like Jimi Hendrix. Yeah. Yeah. So Lada feels this connection too. Maybe not to marry him right away, but a connection. And a few days later, they got on a train to go visit PK's home village in Orissa in eastern India. And they took three days about <laughs> slow, and the train was very dirty, I remember. And the people had goats and chickens in the <laughs> I remember that. And we traveled three days and three, and we couldn't speak anything, but we traveled by the train, locomotive, that coal. You know, I was fr- afraid of windows were not glass, it was only rods, you know, the iron rod. And the smoke was coming inside and the, the burning coals were coming inside. I thought her hair would burn out. So I was, mm. my my back was, I was trying to stop yeah, this, yeah. Uh, yeah. Mm. I remember, that was, I remember very much I was. Mm. Uh, 
and used to sleeping and I was watching you when you were sleeping there. And then I took to the east coast of yeah. Orissa. So they had this train trip where PK felt like he was just trying to protect Lada all the time. They get off the train and they went to this temple that PK loves. It's called the Sun Temple. And he thought Lada was going to like it because he knew she was an art lover and they had these stone carvings from the Middle Ages. So they get to the temple and PK tells her to close her eyes. He holds her hand and he stands her in front of this beautiful, ornate carved wheel. Twelve wheels, yes. Twelve wheels like this. It's about more than two meters, yeah, two, three meters height. And she was standing there. I said, open your eyes. I was standing backside of her. And she opened and looked and looked and looked quite a few minutes. I mean, so I said, why is she looking, not speaking anything? Then I was asking her, did you like it? This stuff? And she went stone to me, turned towards me. I saw her eyes. She was crying. And I felt very, I said, oh my God, I hurt her feeling somewhere. So I said, sorry, I, 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 please forgive me. I didn't want you to be sad and I want you to be happy, I said. And there actually, she gave, gave me a kiss. I never, no one kissed me in India. I mean, except my mom. And she kissed me here. I'm going to interrupt for a quick second here because I want to explain why Lada erupted with such passionate joy at the sight of this wheel sculpture in the Sun Temple. See, it's yet another coincidence in this love story, in a love story filled with coincidences. Years earlier, Lada had been given a calendar with 12 pictures from India. One of them had a stone wheel that was set in a temple. She liked it. She just liked it. She liked something about it, and it caught her attention, and she put that particular picture on her wall. She had absolutely no idea where exactly it was from in India, what temple it was in, but wait for it. It was this wheel. This particular wheel that she's staring at with PK is the same one she had on her wall back in Europe. So she's blown away. She's amazed. She doesn't have words to explain how amazed she is. What does she do? She just kisses this man. She gives him a big old kiss right there, right on the spot. And PK, who had never really even talked to a woman, much less touched a woman, much less kissed a woman, has no idea what to do. Oh my God, in in, in 70s, you know, it's still now that people in open public, they don't kiss, you know. When she kissed me, I, I was paralyzed of joy. And I said, oh my God, I'm not an untouchable because, you know, my background, I'm an outcast in India, you know, caste system. Tell yeah. me a little bit, um, PK, about your caste, about being an untouchable and what that meant for you in Indian society. Yeah, that is actually very painful, actually. The identity, the system that is more than, I don't know how many thousand years old that is. The moment I started school, I was not allowed to sit inside this roof classroom. And the very first the teacher said, you sit there and uh, five, six meters from the other still the children outside. There was no roof. So it was such a roof house, you know, no walls that I remember the school first. And people were students were children were sitting on the floor, this urban floor directly. And the moment I was touching someone, they were getting angry and they were running to the river to wash themselves. I, I remember I, I, I used to be very sad. And I one day I said, Mom, I am not going to school. I, 
because no one likes to play with me. So it is very, very painful. Oh, I won't. I will be very sorry. No worries. No worries. And uh, so no one touched me, not even my classmates. You know, in a primary school, I remember. Anyway, when she kissed me, I was so happy, and I. And then I felt, oh my God, I'm not untouchable. I'm touchable. I'm people can kiss me and touch me. I felt like higher than the sky, taller than the sky. I felt that feeling, you know. <laughs> well, you can't. Words are not accurate enough, Joanna. I mean, in English language, I cannot express in words my deeper feeling till now. Hmm. You know. I hope you understand this. I do. I do. I love it. And Charlotte, what was? Why did you kiss him? What was it like to see those wheels that you had the picture of? Did you just yeah. think this is ordained by something else, by heaven, by the universe? Yeah, I think that it, that was just the answer of why I picked it up. And I actually I got a few more things like that, synchronizing things that you experience something few years earlier and then a few years later you just experience it so yeah. I just felt there must be something more and I used to be quite logical you know and but at this time I was just following my heart and I think I, I fully did it and reaction from friends and, and even our daughter she said how did you dare to just <laughs> Go with one you don't know, you know, doing what you did. But that was really, like you said, destiny. Yeah. <laughs> because I and, never uh, said to anyone like this. Uh, I spoke, you know, with uh, daring nature. I was very shy at that, but uh, still I could say that. I couldn't believe myself. And the uh, thing is that turning up in Orissa, Odisha, it's called nowadays, that was like coming back home. And if thinking of that you uh, have a incarnation you know you have been living before rebirth then 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 I really feel that I I lived there before because nothing is not unnatural I feel just part of it the only thing I can't speak the language because we didn't stay enough time there but otherwise I just feel so acquainted to this culture and now I'm talking just about the the real tribes you know living very far out in the in the jungle i feel so so close to this i'm not a city person but going out in in, in the biggest home village and area that is still i feel such a joy in my heart and now at this point lada is just like yeah i guess or, this is true we are destined to be together to be married so she does the next right thing and goes to meet his family PK's mom had passed away, but they ended up asking for his father's blessing. And uh, I just felt part of the family directly. But uh, the first meeting with PK's father, yeah. he was a postmaster in, in a small village. And uh, we came very light, late, late in the night. Yeah. And PK entered there. And, uh, first. Uh, yeah, first. And you, I said, you wait outside the veranda. Yeah, yeah. And I heard that my father was sending some telegraphs. Uh, yeah. You know, in telegraph, he was, tuk -a -tuk -a -tuk -a -tuk -a he was doing, <laughs> selling telegraph. And I said, Papa is still working in this evening also. I said, and he was staying in the same building and the backside of the building and alone at that time. And, and then 
my parent, my father didn't know that I came from Delhi with my new wife, I can say. <laughs> and uh, I remember Lotta was, had jeans. Mm. And I said, wait outside. And I had no knowledge that Lotta had in her baggage, Indian sari, silk sari, Indian sari, you know. Mm. I didn't know that. But I said, wait, let me talk to my father that I, you are with me. And then when he says, yes, then I will take you inside the room, I said. And I went inside the room and I bowed down like in a traditional way to my father on, a, on his feet. And Papa was very surprised that you don't have any holidays. How did you come? It, it takes so long time to tell what happened. How did you come? Why? I said, Papa, I want to marry. With whom? Yes, I found the lady you have been talking since my childhood. And he got nervous, I remember, and he had bare, uh, he had no dress outside, you know, he was the only, uh, he was lungi, bare. Lungi. Uh, uh, yeah, he had lungi only, he had. And he said, oh, she's outside, and if you say yes, then I will bring her. And he got, let me have a shot, he said, and he was searching his shirt to put it. And then he got so nervous, and one question he asked, is she a Taurus <laughs> in 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 Oriya, you know? <laughs> yes, Papa, she's a typical Taurus. I said, don't worry. And she was born in 12th of May, I said. Papa was very convinced. And uh, yes, let her come. And when I came out of the room for the post of, and Lotta was in veranda, she has changed the jeans to sari, silk sari. And she was dressed like Indian, what do you call bridegroom? <laughs> <laughs> and I was surprised. I didn't tell her to do like that, but she did it. And that was the biggest surprise I felt, mm -hmm. you know. I'm sorry. And then she was so graciously, she was walking, and I didn't get time to introduce her or anything. She just bowed down like one has to do to father-in-law, you know. I said how my, my younger brother was saying, oh, she did perfectly than you. They, they go uh, going down to Papa, and there she was accepted very quickly, you yeah. know. And, uh, and a lovely family. Yeah. This is, yeah, missing them actually. Yeah. And so, how long had you guys known each other at this point? Yeah, it was uh, January. Yeah, one or two, one more, yeah. little bit Jan more than hey, one week. Yeah, yeah, more than one week. Yeah, two, weeks. Yeah. two weeks. Two weeks. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> I mean, two weeks, that is, uh, I, mean, I mean, less than two weeks, actually, I must say. <laughs> the two of them were married in a traditional ceremony in PK's village right after that. My father blessed me, did the rituals at home. And my brother, they were also together, they did rituals for months with own close relative. And mm. that I called, I'm married and my wife, I said, you know. Mm. But I had no paper. It was not accepted in the... You understand? So the moment she came home, the rituals were arranged in a tribal way. And then I called my wife and she, but it was maybe for her is different, but I felt now I'm married. My father said, you are married and she's your wife. My brother was very strongly, he was saying in English, my brother was speaking in English to her, to both of us. Now you are married, he said. Meaning, so Lotta could follow the rituals. And uh, my second brother, who was uh, in railway, in railway department, he was, and he said, follow her footsteps. He told me very, and you are very 
you are very people can fickle minded and he said to me you are, i know you consider you change your mind but now you have got your wife and you follow her footsteps that's very strictly <laughs> so uh, then <laughs> we came back to uh, delhi yeah by train and then i had to go back to go back, sweden yeah. yep they get married they go back to delhi but lada couldn't stay she had to go back to sweden to finish school and pk had one more year left in arts college in india actually i wrote a letter from tabris to my parents and told them that i actually found already knew that when i arrived in sweden but my my intention that was to return to india in august the same year 76 but my mom she said oh you please finish your school and uh, you get to know each other better yeah. and pk had more than one year left in his arts college so that's why why mm-hmm. we did yeah they both continued their studies sent long letters back and forth which to me sounds so romantic but i don't know if it actually would be in reality the truth is their young relationship could have fizzled out right then after all they weren't legally married Lada could have chalked this up to some crazy Indian adventure and they were thousands of miles apart. But that's not what happened. PK did find his way to Lada in Sweden. Of course, he didn't fly there because neither of them could afford a plane ticket. So we bought a bike. We'll get to the next part of this adventure after a quick break. Hey guys, Joe here. This episode of Committed is brought to you by my brand new novel, The Sicilian Inheritance. This is honestly the best book that I've ever written. I love it so much. The Sicilian Inheritance is a twisty, turny family murder mystery set on the beautiful and sometimes dangerous island of Sicily. And it's incredibly personal. It's loosely based on the real-life murder of my great-great-grandmother Lorenza Marsala. The Sicilian Inheritance comes out on April 2nd, but it is available for pre-order right now wherever you get your books. And if you pre-order and email me your receipt to joe.piazza@gmail.com or DM me at Instagram, I will give you a free lifetime subscription to our newsletter Over the Influence. We'll be posting exclusive pictures, videos, and show transcripts for the very new season of Committed coming out in February. So pre-order the Sicilian Inheritance today. I promise you it's going to be your new favorite book. And Lada and PK had this whirlwind faded romance. I mean, it is the stuff of epic, epic romance movies. But after they got married in the traditional ceremony in PK's village, Lada had to return home to Sweden to finish school. Once PK finally graduated from his own classes in Delhi, He wanted to join Lada, but he couldn't afford the airfare. Some people just ask, why, why did I send him an air ticket? But you know, as a student and having enough to money to send to that, so PK he was very clever. So he he said, then I I bicycle to you. <laughs> <laughs> that why I bicycle? That was only alternative I had, you know. Yeah. And after Lada left. longing was too much i felt in my body physically i felt you know that i must live in it and i tried to 
the tickets was very high. Only Maharaja could fly, you know, at that time. But one thing is, I think, my strength, I think, now I, I, I'm doing self-realization, I do. I think my strength was my lack of knowledge of geography, I feel. If I would have known how far it was, the Sweden, I was mixing up Sweden to Switzerland, I know. And you corrected many times, but I didn't learn anything. I said Switzerland, see from Switzerland everywhere. And if I would have known, I don't think I would have dared to leave the country. Thank God I had no maps and I didn't know how far. The only thing I knew that she, Lotha, took 22 days to drive by car. So I was counting. If she took 22 days, then I'll be taking maybe 20 times, 30 times more. Like that I was calculating, you know. And direction was where sun is setting, that way I will bicycle. PK bought a Raleigh woman's push bike. He bought the lady's style because it was cheaper than the dude bike. He grabbed his passport, a windbreaker, a sleeping bag, and that's it. He just started pedaling. He barely had any money, and along the way, he'd sketch portraits of people in exchange for food, clothes, and shelter. And they, so like to do 10 minutes portrait, and they give me bread, and you know, in Iran, they didn't pay money for the sketch, but they used to give bread. I used to pack in the bicycle and eat uh-huh. them, you know. Uh, that was a different, that was fantastic. I People guided me and fed me. And- I have a letter written to him that you please don't go alone. It's better that you go with someone. That was my advice. But I was not alone. I was full you, of hippie course, friends. But that, that is written in a letter to him. <laughs> yeah, so I, I actually knew that he was on his way. Oh, yeah. And we, we of course, wrote letters to each other to post restante to the yeah. main post office in, in the big cities. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So that was the way you could connect because phoning was out of question and oh, yeah, yeah. mobile wasn't there. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I love that because we don't think about how that used to work, but you knew what cities he would be going through yeah. and you yeah. would just email a letter or not email, email a letter. You would just mail a letter to that main post office yeah. and then assume he would pick it up. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I was going to the main post office, for example, Kabul. When I left India, I never told anything to my family. But when I reached Kabul, from Kabul, I wrote to my brother and father, you know? So when I went to post rest, the Kabul post restante, then you show your passport. My name starts P, my family name starts M. And then they used to give big bag of thousands of letters with P, thousands of letters of mail. That will take a half a day to go through all the letters. And you, I pick up my letters out of thousand letters mm-hmm. and then show the passport and then you get the letter. So I got letter from, from uh, Kabul and Fabriz and Tehran and uh, Herat and, uh, you know, uh, Istanbul. And, uh, so that is the communication. Uh, maybe many letters may be still yeah. lying in some post restaurant in some countries. <laughs> <laughs> Might be in some museum as well. Yeah, Who yeah. knows? <laughs> Who knows? What do you remember? What the hardest part of the journey was? What was the most it, difficult part? It was painful. Also, back my physical. I mean, back was very painful. I couldn't sit in the toilet properly. I remember. So I started using my willpower, and I realized and did mistake. I did many mistakes. My God, 
but I never give up. I'll, I, all the time I told myself, do it or die. I will meet Charlotte and have a fantastic family, or I will die here. And next life I will meet. That was my you know, mantra. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's a lot, though. That's heavy. You just you either, either I, I get to Charlotte and we have a wonderful family, or I'm just going to die here on the side of the road. Ah. <laughs> but the next life, you yeah. might turn up. Yeah. <laughs> Lada told me that she didn't have the same doubts as PK. Even though the journey felt like some kind of test, she truly believed it was only a matter of time before he just showed up. And he kept trucking along, sketching portraits, sweet-talking border guards. He actually managed to get past the border guards into Pakistan by sketching their portraits. One day, when PK was in the desert of Afghanistan, he witnessed a German woman named Linnea get into a car accident. And uh, she was bleeding. I helped her, took her to Kabul hospital. I went back to Kabul. And Liane, her name was. And that girl got help in Kabul from an Austrian embassy also. So I was with her for a few days to help her. I remember the scene, oh my God. Mm-hmm. And the Afghan people they're standing on the turban, they, they, they didn't like to touch, she was a woman, so they was afraid to touch her. And... PK did everything that he could to help Linnea. She had a really hard time talking to him because she'd lost her teeth. But she would write out little notes asking for what she needed. She'd say things like, PK, help me with water. PK, I'm hungry. PK, can you help me get in touch with my family? And... After he helped her get healthy again, he took her to the airport so she could fly back to Austria. By this point, she knew all about PK and Lada's story. And PK never, ever would have thought to ask her for anything. He was just being a good person, a good citizen, helping a woman who needed help in a foreign country. She wanted to repay him somehow. So when she came to Vienna, she sent me a ticket train ticket from Istanbul. When I opened in Tabriz post restaurant, they very thick, um, uh, the parcel I got. When I opened it, oh my God, it was a ticket, train ticket, Istanbul to Vienna. Hmm. And she wrote, I see had written, I remember the word, where she has written, PK, my baby. <laughs> <laughs> I have still preserved the letter. It's so motherly affection, you know. <laughs> um, <laughs> And oh my, I cry every time I read her letter now. PK, my baby, you welcome to Vienna before going to Lotta. And oh my God. So PK finally ditched his bike. He left it in Istanbul. And he took the train to Vienna where he met up with the woman whose life he saved. And I had a wonderful time in Vienna. She oh. took me, she did many places, Sylvia. So nice people I met in the way, you know. It was my journey, which rightly is, I feel so honored as a human, you know, in Europe. Yeah. No Thanks. one asked me, what is your cost <laughs> in Europe? <laughs> you know. This story is filled with so many happy accidents. In Vienna, PK got to show his sketches to a gallery owner who was so impressed that he bought PK tickets to Copenhagen in Denmark and then to Gothenburg in Sweden. He took the last couple legs of his trip in relative style. At least not on a bike. And then, finally, he got to have his big reunion with Lada. We'll get to that after a quick break. Hey guys, Joe here. 
This episode of Committed is brought to you by my brand new novel, The Sicilian Inheritance. This is honestly the best book that I've ever written. I love it so much. The Sicilian Inheritance is a twisty, turny family murder mystery set on the beautiful and sometimes dangerous island of Sicily. And it's incredibly personal. It's loosely based on the real-life murder of my great-great-grandmother, Lorenza Marsala. The Sicilian Inheritance comes out on April 2nd, but it is available for pre-order right now wherever you get your books. And if you pre-order and email me your receipt to joe.piazza at gmail.com or DM me at Instagram, I will give you a free lifetime subscription to our newsletter Over the Influence. We'll be posting exclusive pictures, videos, and show transcripts for the very new season of Committed coming out in February. So pre-order The Sicilian Inheritance today. I promise you it's going to be your new favorite book. So you get to Sweden, you have this reunion. A lot of what was it like for you to see him again after all this time? Yeah, well, that, that, for, when that, came, that, that was I, uh, so nice to me. Yeah, so he phoned me actually. He, I phoned when at the train station, the train station, the moment I came out, it was sunny weather, I remember, and anomens were blowing everywhere, smell wildflowers, I felt, my God, it's so clean everything here. And when I was going, I was new, I'm whole new, you know, it's a paradise, I felt, you know. And someone was shouting, you know, very loudly, hello, PK, welcome to Sweden, you know, loudly. So, my God, I don't know anyone in Gothenburg station, this first bit. And I recognized it was a tourist whose portrait I had done half a year ago in Delhi, you know. <laughs> and he was a, he was going to the hospital. He was a medical student and like that. So it was nice, you know. I felt welcome in a very loudly in a unknown place. And I told him that where can I take a shower? I smell bad before calling to Lota. And she, he told me, go to the Salvation Army, was very close, and he showed me. I went inside the Salvation Army Hotel. It was only 19 kroner, I remember. <laughs> and I paid the money. I, It was sharing a room and the attached bathroom. I mean, not attached bathroom. It was, you have to share with others. So I went to this bathroom, and I was brushing my teeth. And I felt oh, now I will take a shower and make myself clean, and then I will call to Lotha. That was my plan. All PK wanted to do was take a shower. And it was about 11 o'clock at night, and he went into the bathroom. There's an old guy in there, and they're talking, and that guy is just monopolizing the bathroom. There's no way that PK can take a shower. So he gives up on the shower and just calls Lotta. I went to this Sunday time, borrowed the telephone. I, I had the number, I called Lotta. And she's telling, yeah, yeah, I'm coming and pick you up. Don't worry, she told me. And she came. Oh my, I didn't take my bath. I was smelling, oh, so bad, I remember. So I was holding my both arm very close. I said, I won't come close to her because she will smell me, bad smell. And I remember, I hold my hand like this. And when she came, I wanted to have keep distance, social distance I should have so she can't smell me bad. I mean, bad smell. I, that was my impression. And I said, I know that when you meet, you have to say, oh, I'm happy to see you. Or the, I knew that. But the moment she appeared, I forgot I cried on it. 
and they cried. They both cried. <laughs> yes, she cried also. And she jumped on me and she started kissing me. And I didn't say, I'm happy to see you. I said, sorry, I feel, I smell bad. Sorry, I smell bad only. And she's telling me, yes, but it is perfume for me, she said. <laughs> And then what was it what was it like to be in Sweden? And how did you assimilate into Swedish culture? I made many mistakes. I used to do mistakes and then I never give up, you know. <laughs> that is my principle of it. I did many mistakes and the same thing. I misunderstood many things. But it's, at the end it was successful, you know. Like applying job, for example. The man asked me in in a, in a Swedish I had little word, I I didn't know much Swedish, but I went to the employment exchange that, you know, to get the job uh, as an art teacher, for example. And he asked me the word, it was similar, you know, I mixed up, you know. Uh, he was, The word work, he didn't use, he said, Sisla. So I thought he's asking me if I can whistle, you know, because there was a famous photographer from Sweden visited my village. He was working for the National Geography also. He used to whistle to the tigers and, you know, I met him before I met Charlotte. So I thought maybe if Swedish people like whistle like John Lindblad. And uh, so I mixed up interview. I said, yes, I can whistle and I'm whistling. It was a mistake. You know, he asked me some other question. I didn't understand, but I got the job. <laughs> but you adjusted. I mean, yeah. still, uh, you know, you used your pencil and paper yeah. and yeah, easily yeah. could communicate uh, with people yeah, you can and, interact yeah. nicely so so did you guys you guys had a second wedding in sweden yeah, the, yeah. Uh, we had in 1979 mm -hmm. we married because to have it on paper so we had yeah. a, a little small family wedding yeah ek got jobs teaching art they moved to a farm and they had two children who are now grown. The two of them say their secret to a long and happy marriage is not to keep any secrets. Seriously, to talk and talk and talk until you just can't talk anymore. And I'm just gonna say it, it can't hurt if you're ordained by the stars. When, when you tell people your love story that you met, you instantly knew that this was, you know, deigned by the universe. And then you were apart and then you biked to Europe to be with her. Are people surprised that, that, that you guys, that you guys went through all of this? I mean, can people believe your love story? Yeah, they're excited and, and they get actually encouraged to do things and I think uh, when we're telling you know storytelling is so fascinating because by telling our story but it's not actually our story more because it's spreading all around the world and it's necessary to to keep up stories so young generation yeah, I feel yeah because I think they, the letters we are getting from all over the world. I mean, yeah. uh, Chinese and Japanese students, and you know, yeah, they get encouraged. And, uh, yeah, the young yeah. generation. I feel mm. I can. I can get it. Yeah, yeah. It yeah they. They. Uh, I mean, nothing is impossible. You know, 
one should have the strength and dare to do things. Because as Piki said before, doubt and fears are actually just stopping us in many ways. Mm-hmm. Is it also is it also nice for you guys after so long to remember the early days of your love story? That yeah. must just be be nice when you finish these talks to go back and be like, remember remember that day when I walked up to you and asked you to draw my portrait? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is really nice. Yeah. This episode of Committed was hosted and reported by Joe Piazza. With a very special thanks to Lada and P.K. Mahanandia. Supervising producer is Ramsey Young. The executive producers are Joe Piazza and Tyler Klang. Theme song and music by Tristan McNeil. For comments, suggestions, or to be part of the show, give us a call at 404-996-1173. That's 404-996-1173. Or send us an email at joe at committedpodcast.com that's j-o at committedpodcast.com you can grab a copy of joe's book how to be married on amazon or wherever books are sold committed is a production of iHeartRadio and produced in our studios located in atlanta georgia for more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you listen to your favorite shows hey guys joe here This episode of Committed is brought to you by my brand new novel, The Sicilian Inheritance. This is honestly the best book that I've ever written. I love it so much. The Sicilian Inheritance is a twisty, turny family murder mystery set on the beautiful and sometimes dangerous island of Sicily. And it's incredibly personal. It's loosely based on the real-life murder of my great-great-grandmother, Lorenza Marsala. The Sicilian Inheritance comes out on April 2nd, but it is available for pre-order right now wherever you get your books. And if you pre-order and email me your receipt to joe.piazza at gmail.com or DM me at Instagram, I will give you a free lifetime subscription to our newsletter Over the Influence. We'll be posting exclusive pictures, videos, and show transcripts for the very new season of Committed coming out in February. So pre-order The Sicilian Inheritance today. I promise you it's going to be your new favorite book.